back at Gillette Stadium for another Patriots beat writer catch-up interview. And I believe joining us for the second time in the only repeat interview we've had on the Six Rings podcast this year from Gillette Stadium, formerly of the NFL Network, currently of Boston Sports Journal and some other weird radio station in town we won't talk about, Mike Giardi. Mike, um, we're going to start with last week's game which uh, I very creatively and uniquely called a tale of two halves for the quarterback, Bailey Zappi, who appears to have a problem playing second-half football and at a place where they uh, definitely put a premium on 60 minutes of football. He's more of a 30-minute man himself. Um, Bill O'Brien... Um, accurately said well we threw a pick on the first pass of the second half and basically put everything that kind of petered out from there what do you make of this zappy uh tale of two halves thing i think part of it is very much uh he's been a script quarterback right and i think they come out with a good plan in those first 15 to 20 plays uh if they're able to control it properly he's not turning the ball over that he gets into a good rhythm i think you really saw that in kansas city against kansas city right 17 of 19 uh through with rhythm, accuracy, hit the back foot, the ball was gone, like very decisive. And in the second half, uh, Spags makes a few adjustments. And, well, and the interception, which wasn't an adjustment, it was just a terrible decision slash throw. And I know that Farrell Brown may not have run the route properly there. It wouldn't have mattered. There were three guys there. Wherever he decided to throw the ball, it was going to get picked off. And as he said afterwards, and I thought it was actually a good bit from Bailey in terms of, like, almost a disgust with himself, like, just got to throw the ball. Like, he was just like, I, I, how, how did I not throw the ball away? He said it about four different times, like, just put the ball or scramble, like, but you can't do that. And then I think what happens from there is the same thing that happened against Pittsburgh, same thing that happened at various times with Mac. It was like, okay, we can't trust the quarterback now. Just shut it down. Let's, <laughs> let's play conservatively. Let's hope that the defense can do something for us, and that's how we play going forward. And it's one thing when you're up in Pittsburgh, right? But in this one, you're down. You're down two scores, then you're down three scores. And then to play that way was obviously counterintuitive to actually trying to win the game. So two things on that. First of all, I continue to joke that the guy he threw to had a bright red jersey on. I still don't understand it. <laughs> That's up there with one of the worst throws we've seen all year. <laughs> yeah, don't throw it to him. Um, but also, it also kind of covers up – I think his second half was even worse than the numbers in that I thought each of the first – Four possessions, I believe the phrase they use in like modern analytics is turnover-worthy plays. He had a turnover-worthy play on each one. So I think people are publicly seeing what we saw in the practice field, the reason that a lot of media members were like, no, Mac's still the better option. As ugly as it got, Mac still was the better option, and I think we're seeing that play out now on the game field. Uh, the rest of the team is not doing him any favors. You know, like, I, I really don't see anybody, other than my guy Kevin Harris. We'll throw him a bone. Kevin Harris with a nice run. And uh, I continue to ask the question, what's cooler, his thighs or his arms? Because both are massive. Probably one more productive than the other for an NFL running back. Um, but other than that, where do these next three weeks go? Like, coming off that performance, okay, you put up a good fight, I guess. I know everybody was like, oh, the first half. Yeah, you were trailing. <laughs> Even when you were playing well, I know it's Patrick Mahomes, you were trailing. What is the... I don't want to say what's the point, because these are professionals, and Delaney Tavai and these guys have said that, and I know Bill O'Brien even yesterday said something to the effect, you know, the season hasn't played out the way anyone wanted, but there's still three games to go. we got to keep chipping away here. What are your, I guess, hopes and expectations of the next three weeks? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I would say this, Andy, for me, and I wrote about this on Monday, uh, I didn't like what I saw in the locker room after the game. 
and I didn't re report any specifics on it because, look, I'm doing it from an observatory standpoint. I'm not quoting people on what they were saying in the locker room that, that I wasn't talking to. I think there are a lot of people that are satisfied with the level with which they're playing at. And you're into the whole independent contractor thing right now where, look, I don't win, lose. Like, if we win, that's great. But if we lose and I get my numbers, you know, I play well, then I don't really care. So to me, if there's going to be any carryover from this coaching staff into next year, if, in fact, Gerard Mayo becomes the guy, if Bill's gone or if Bill's back and Bill O'Brien's back and Steve, the whole crew, like, I want to see over the next three weeks who really gives a crap, like, about the right things. Not about just their own thing, which is part of it. You got, I mean, obviously we talk about it all the time. They talk about it all the time. Just do your job. Do your 111th. But, like, who does it matter most to and who's taking it uh, the right way and approaching it the right way these last three weeks? Because it's easy to just sort of show up and do the minimum work required until game day. Who, who are the guys that are still doing the extra work that – you know, like for, I'll use someone and I use this in the story. Jabril Preppers, who's been so upfront with us, he's, he's clearly been, if not their best player, one of their two or three best players, right, all year long. And he declined to talk for the first time that I can remember. But he didn't leave the locker room. I was like, well, he was hurt. He was hurt. I'm like, no, but he was in the locker room and he was half dressed and he was just kind of pacing around and he was taking it all in. And I, I can't imagine that he was all that psyched about some of the little interactions that he saw in the locker room from some of his teammates. Like, I'm out there busting my ass. I got hurt. I'm staying in the game. I'm the, you know, I'm the most physical guy, so he's probably been hurt for a long time. Um, like, those are the sorts of things that I think if I'm, if I'm Bill or whoever is going to be running this thing, like, I'm paying attention to that. Like, who, who gives a damn? And, and who's sort of just like, eh, whatever. Because those are the guys, you know, like when things start to go like this and in inevitably in any season, there's a, there are little down periods. Do guys fight through that or the guys just accept it? And I, and I want to see who's still fighting through it. Yeah, Peppers fights through it on the field. And I, I think that's interesting. I, didn't, I wasn't aware of that. And I know we're often critical of people that don't speak and don't take on sort of a professional approach. But sometimes not speaking might be the professional approach. Sounds like this could be an example of that, like sort of bite your tongue, take it in, maybe address it behind closed doors later, because um, I have a lot of respect for him. Let's jump to some of the bigger picture questions. And it's interesting because you answered that question from a player perspective, but there's a, a level above that, which is a coach's perspective. And I thought it was interesting, maybe telling. I'm not even sure what I thought yesterday when um, Bill O'Brien revealed that he wasn't aware that they had claimed a quarterback and he had just kind of met him, which just meeting him, fine. That happens. Don't know when he got here. <laughs> Excuse me. The offensive coordinator wasn't aware. Aren't you also the quarterback's coach? And they didn't have a conversation about who they were bringing in. I thought that was interesting. And now we also have these bubbling um, – Reports, I guess, some of which are coming from your boss, some of which come from Burt Breer, but that Gerard Mayo may or may not be rubbing people the right way, the wrong way. Do you see any um, maybe divide uh, amongst the leadership? And, you know, I know Bill O'Brien a couple of weeks ago talked about it's Kraft, it's Belichick, and then he laughed and said, oh, the rest of us are down here. Is there a growing divide in maybe that area of the team where even those guys are just figuring out show up do my job demarcus Covington, mayo didn't speak to the media even though it was kind of scheduled to like what do you make at that level so to me there's been an interesting dynamic all year long because you have three guys on the staff that all believe they're head coaches um and you, one is the head coach that's bill belichick 
But obviously, Bill O'Brien has been a head coach. Harbors desires to be a head coach again. And then, of course, Gerard Mayo. And as I mentioned last night, I think it's been talked about some. Robert Kraft called him the heir apparent to NFL media, to Judy Batista. That interview never made the air because I'm sure my guess is Stacey James heard it and was like, "Uh, we can't say that because that's a violation of all the, the, the checks and balances, the Rooney rule. Like, you can't do that. So I think that's probably why it got buried. But he said it. That's known within the building, or at least coming into this year, like that that circulated. Guys knew that. Okay, well, Robert thinks that Gerard is, and they're all they're not stupid. They saw the press release that never gets released for offensive coordinator search, and then for Gerard Mayo being hired and retained rather, um, and passing up uh, opportunities to coach elsewhere or interview elsewhere. So I think that's been an interesting dynamic all year long. And then I think. It, <laughs> So the idea that he's rubbing people the wrong way, I think that Gerard speaks honestly. And I think you've been covering this team for a long time. That's discouraged around here. And I think he sometimes just says how he feels. And I think other people that are very, not that Mayo's not entrenched in the Belichick sort of philosophy. He grew up in this. But, like, he approaches it a different way. And he's not going to tell you that it's – uh, that it's not horse bleep when it is horse bleep. And even his point like a month ago, which again, I think was one of the things that, that having talked to some people, people might've been annoyed by the, the notion that, yeah, it's kind of hard to keep the defense. Like we're doing what we're supposed to do and we're trying not to create, but like, it's hard to look at them and say like, they're not carrying their weight. You know, that's nothing that they say around here. He said it. I don't fault them for said, I appreciate it. I mean, we all do. We all want them to be honest. Um, but there are some people that are like, eh, I wouldn't, you know, who are you? Why are you saying that? Well, he's he's just being honest. He's just telling you the truth. He's not he's not polishing the turd. <laughs> it's a turd, right? So um, I think there is some of that. And I, and I would also say this. I think there's I think there's a little bit of jealousy. Like, again, young guy, hasn't been doing it for that long, gets the, the term heir apparent thrown on him, like, they, like I said, they know it. Like I'm sure there's some people who are like I've been grinding for a long time. Why? Why is that? Why? Why is it just him? Why does he get that opportunity? So or potential opportunity? So, um, I, I, just shifting gears in my own head here for a second. I think it's interesting too. And and Greg has talked about this, Bedard, but it's been talked about by other people as well. Like, well, he's never even called his own defense. Well, okay, if you are marrying Bill's two years with Mayo's two years, that's both of them have two-year deals, right? They'll be entering the last year of their deals, each of them, if they're here next year, um, together. And then he was supposed to be the heir apparent. Well, he was never going to call the defense. So, like, now all of a sudden you're like, well, he's not calling the defense? How do, how do they – How do they look, they made up their mind that they like this guy. They feel like this, there's something special about Gerard. And I think that that – like, bringing that up now is sort of like – I don't think that factors into what the crafts were thinking at the time, because at the time, I think they believe he's the guy. Now, have, have things changed? I don't know. That's up to Robert and Jonathan to 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 tell us at some point with what they do. But um, I just thought that was an interesting point, too. So I I think Mayo is the most interesting guy right now, because in my mind, I've moved on from Bill. I mean, it may be disrespectful, but I will be surprised if Bill is back. Um, I actually posted a column this morning using Robert's uh, deflate gate quote when he said uh, he measured nine times and cut once before he decided to not appeal. And he said, if you had asked me two weeks ago, the answer might have been different. And I think it's understandable with this level of a decision, he could have some 
back and forth, trepidation. I'm, ah, oh, it's the right thing to do. Ah, oh, maybe it's not the right. But in the end, I think when he measures the ninth time, he will cut Bill Belichick out of the equation. That puts Gerard Mayo uh, at the forefront. And so there's two things I want to bring up based on what you just said. First of all, I think if you thought Gerard Mayo was the heir, and by you I mean Robert Kraft, Jonathan Kraft, the organization, I don't. nothing Bill Belichick has done this year should change that because he uh, accelerated the timeline by being worse than you thought he was, by bottoming out, by ruining Mac Jones. Did, did Mayo do any of that? No, Mayo's the same guy you liked last January when you went public with your courting of him, I would say. So I don't think anything should change there. But if something has changed, I wonder if it's calculated by Gerard Mayo in the sense that one of the narratives that's percolating, um, my radio station, your radio station, podcast, if you get rid of Bill, you want to get rid of everything that's ever touched Bill Belichick. And I wonder if Gerard is hearing that or aware of that, maybe even internally, and saying, I'm not Bill Belichick. I've worked under Bill Belichick a long time, but I'm my own man. I've been giving tone and answers for years. You know, I know I'm just the assistant to the assistant to the assistant linebacker. I don't even have business cards. I don't know why I'm here. He's been his own man. He's been pointed in his comments at times over the years. But I also wonder, could it be growing, even internally amongst his assistant coaches, players even. Oh, you're just baby Bill. You're just Bill on the field. You're just brown-nosing. You became captain year two and this and blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm Gerard Mayo. And I do wonder if he's trying to take on a more individual uh, persona to show people around him, above him, outside of here that I'm my own man. And then the last aspect of that, just the thing you mentioned about calling plays, I don't know, did Mike McDaniel call plays? Did I mean, he's now considered like the best play caller in the NFL. I'm watching these mic'd up things where he's like, I'm feeling a one-play scoring drive here before they throw a one-play scoring drive to Jalen Waddle. So I don't really care about the calling of plays. But do you think Mayo could be taking a calculated uh, distance myself from I'm just Bill's right-hand man uh, tactic? From what we know of Gerard, from covering him, and now from his uh, ventures into media and now back into coaching, he's, he's incredibly smart. So it would not surprise me in the least bit if he has taken the temperature of the room and said, all right, like, if you're trying to stick that on me and the stink of the whole team, you know, I'm going to get stuck with some of that too. Like, I'm not that. The hardest thing, and I think we've we've seen it, we just saw it again with Josh, right, McDaniels in in Vegas. Like, these guys talk about – and Josh, I thought, for like five years was like how much he had learned from his first experience in Denver and coming back here and like – no, it's about the relationships. And then he goes right back into the same sort of mode that he was in when he was in Denver the first time. And I think it's that learned behavior. They I keep hitting this cabinet here. It's, I think it's like they saw Bill. This is how Bill operated for years and years and years. So you can say all these things about being your own guy. Flores did it. Charlie Weiss did it. Like, But when push comes to shove, what you know, what you saw find success was what you were in forever. And that's how Bill did it. And that is going to be, and I think, you know, if Gerard ends up ascending to the head coaching position here or anywhere else, that's something that people will talk about for a long time until he establishes who he is, what he's all about, and finds his own success, that it's always going to be, well, Bill did that, or Bill wouldn't done that. Like, it's always going to be there, and I, to some degree, you're never going to be able to avoid it until, again, you end up getting to a Super Bowl and winning your own ring as a head coach. 
So speaking of Bill, uh, something popped up this week that really ticked me off. I went on a little rant on a previous Six Rings episode um, when Julian Edelman brought up this idea that Bill told them years ago that the media is going to turn on me at some point. Um, I personally don't believe anyone's turned on Bill Belichick. I think there's plenty of people that didn't like him then and still don't like him. I think the thing that's turned on Bill Belichick is the result, the one loss record, the scoreboard, the performance of his football team. But do you believe... Bill Belichick believes he's bigger than the New England Patriots because I'm a big believer that the Patriots, whether it's Pat or Elvis, that guy, that thing is bigger than y'all. Robert, bigger than you. It's going to exist past you. It'll still be a craft entity, but it'll exist past you just like it existed past Ron Burton and Gino Capaletti and Andre Tippett and Drew Bledsoe and Tom Brady. Like no one's bigger than like This is an organization. This is a a region. This is a a laundry, I guess, as people say. What were your thoughts on sort of that idea that Bill might believe that everyone has turned on him? I think Bill does think he's bigger than everything and everybody. I think that I've talked a lot this year in particular, even the way they approach the offseason, like the institutional arrogance. You know, get questions when you're doing the Q&A or talking to people about like, well, what what were they thinking? And I'm like, internally, and this stems from Bill, is they've always believed what they do, the way they coach it, the way they scheme it, is better than anyone else's. It's the quote, you know, I forget what whose book it was or what story about give me the 15th best quarterback and we'll win. That stems from Bill. Bill, Bill and he, he thought he could do it again, right? And you're proving, no, actually you need, you need talent to, to, be having, to have success here. But in his own mind, I mean, I can already hear the spin if he's released at the end of the year. You know, the people that are going to get thrown under the bus and how it wasn't his fault. It was this fault. And it was that. And it was that. I didn't want this guy. And you foisted that guy on me. And all the injuries. We're already hearing the excuses about the injuries, which, by the way, they have everybody has them across the league. Um, so, yeah, I do. I think it's uh, I think that's a problem. He's always been. You talk to guys that come from other places to play here and have conversations with them. And they'll tell you, like, nobody they've never been in a place that cares more about what the media does or doesn't do what they say, then here. It's like an obsession with the, the entire process, which was funny because when you were winning, you know, we could criticize him, and he was he was bulletproof. Like, you know, like I, Curran and I used to get into fights when we would do it because Curran would be like, well, they've won five rings. I'm like, oh, so then I guess we just don't have to talk about anything because that's going to be the, the rationale behind everything that they do. They made a bad decision, but he's won five rings. Okay, but in this case, he made a bad decision. I still think he kind of operates that way. But now that the criticism is more pointed, the fact that he might be thinking about that, to me, for someone who says, like, we're, we're getting ready for Denver this week, you're not, you're, not, you're not doing what you preach. You're not doing what you tell the media that you're doing because you're spending, whether it's 1% of your time, whatever, you're wasting time on what you or I say. Yeah, I, I've you said we're we are kind of big deals. We're sitting in a closet next to computer equipment and Christmas gifts, but yep. Um, I do think he is a victim of his own, um, not just success, which is obvious, like he was never going to be able to continue forever at the same rate, but a victim of the culture he created. I think he is now falling victim to the lights are out to the Patriot way that he created in that year too early, not a year too late. And I think some people are like, okay, he's still Bill, but 
it looks like it's time to move on. And it doesn't matter what you did last year. It's what you do moving forward. It's this week. And, and all of those things kind of go against him now. And it's like, oh, yeah, maybe if I hadn't beaten that into everybody's head for two decades, they wouldn't be holding me to that standard. But I created that standard. I'm not going to get into the Broncos game as we wrap this up here because no one cares. It's Christmas Eve. No one's going to be watching. If you are watching, you're opening gifts. It's in the background. You're kind of hoping they lose, so you keep the number two pick. Uh, I'll read your column Christmas morning before stockings and coffee. Mike Giardi's column. I'll just sign up for the website first, and then I'll read your column. <laughs> um, I'm going to put you on the spot here, unfairly so. So I'm, I'm telling the listeners this is unfair what I'm about to ask Mike Giardi because I don't think you've probably in specific terms thought of this. But in Mike Giardi's, I'm going to call it um, realistically ideal world. Who's the GM of the New England Patriots? Who's the head coach? And if you want to go so far, who are the coordinators in 2024? Now, wait, this is what I think is going to happen or what I want to happen? Do want first and then think. So do want. I'm cleaning house completely. Um, I am erasing all traces of the Belichick tree. Sorry, Gerard. You're out. (laughs) He'll be fine. He'll He'll land on his feet. I'm going offensive coach. Ben Johnson's the first name that comes to mind because he's taken a – I still think he's an average quarterback in Jared Goff, and he's elevated him. I know he's had some rocky moments here recently until the five touchdowns the other day. But, like, to me that says something. So that's just the first name that jumps out to mind. I haven't, like – I haven't taken the deep dive into the coaching pool about what I would do. Um, For a GM, Adam Peters is the name he gets thrown around. He's the assistant in in San Fran – I'm just going to say this, like, again, not giving you a name, but I'm, I'm, I am looking at the Baltimore tree. I am looking at the San Francisco tree. I'm looking at the Kansas City tree. I think consistently good programs to the last decade or so, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling that vibe. So go find me, shake that tree, and find me the next guy that someone views as the, the guy from Everett who's part of the KC. Yep. I can't – Borghese, I can't say. I can't, thank you. Um, like someone like that is what I'm I'm thinking of because again I think it's fresh ideas but what's working lately in the league where are the trends going I think they've been behind the trends here so to me that's kind of the route that I'm thinking so now what's going to happen I think at the end of it it's going to be Gerard it's going to be Bill O'Brien and it's going to be Stephen Belichick assuming that Bill doesn't get a head coaching job if Bill gets a head coaching job I would imagine Stephen would go with him but that's just sort of my and Matt Grow, who's in personnel. That's got to change, like that. Well, if you want fast players, you got to draft fast players. Well, he drafted fast fast, fast players that can't play, uh, and tough players that aren't smart enough to stay on the field or do what they're coached to do. I, that's got to change. Like I, I can't, and whether that's promoting one of the guys who are underneath him into that spot, you just. You know, because I think those guys don't all see the thing the same way. Um, but I think that macro, Bill goes, Matt's got Bill. Okay, so I'm going to answer the question myself first, a little bit biased. So I've been throwing around Adam Peters' name quite a bit. I think he makes a lot of sense. Now, I did read something out of San Francisco. Like, they may be looking to promote Lynch and Peters. I don't know if that's an angle to try to retain him. I think Lynch is going to go to president or whatever and then peters goes to gm from assistant gm very crafty very well attempted if it works so i would go peters 
not really having any idea whether that would work or not. I just, they have a good team. He's learning under an interesting situation. I would also stick out West, and this is my totally biased view. Shane Waldron, my toughest guy who has turned Geno Smith into Drew Locke into the greatest backup quarterbacks we've seen in a long time. I love Shane. I think he's a good guy. And I think if you just look at the production and the resume, as you said, taking a quarterback maybe we don't respect, whether it's Jared Goff or Geno Smith, and turning that into good enough. I'd like to have a little attempt at that around here. Now, my last question I lied for you. One thing I've started to wonder about is the timeline we're going to see as Robert Kraft continues to measure eight times and then gets to the ninth time. Is the ninth time January, I think it's 8th, the day after the game? And do other teams play into that? And I ask that because I know I've thrown out the Cowboys, that Jerry Jones, when the Cowboys lose, when, when I said when, not if, when, he could get really pissed off. McCarthy, you're out. Bill, how much you want? Robert, what do you want for? Whatever, however that unfolds. But that could be third week of January, fourth week, something like late January. Bills. I think the Bills would be a fun place for, for Bill Belichick to land with Josh Allen, who he once didn't get the hype about and now probably gets the hype about. Um, but again, they're looking like they're going to make a run here to get into the playoffs. Now everybody thinks they're the most dangerous. How does this timeline marry up with Patriots season ends, you have the number two pick. You need to find a GM. You need to find a new head coach, maybe. Like, how does that all work in the next month plus? If they do it the right way, Andy, maybe I don't fire him on Black Monday. I fire him the day after. I fire him on the Tuesday. Let Respectfully. Everybody. Yes, kind of. Yeah, like you, you kind of deserve your own day, if you will. Um, I think if they screw around with the idea, like, we want to get compensation for him, they're only – if they're going to move on from him, they're only holding back their own organization and the plans to move forward and to turn the page and become something new, different, and rediscover the upward trajectory, you know, that has been hard to find here for the last four and a half years. So to me, that's, I think that's massive. I don't know that they'll do that because I'm sure they look at Bill still, even in his, you know, depressed asset state and say, he still might be our best asset, which, again, is a problem with roster building, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and I, I don't think you can screw around with that. You know, I, and I would say the other thing you can add to this, and, again, I have no indication. I know my boss has thrown this around. Others have kind of kicked around Mike Vrabel's name. But that's an interesting one because there are connections here. He said what he said when he was here for his Hall of Fame thing. And, you know, like we, he, I think he had, didn't he reference them as we? Like, so th- – that's an interesting one because it hasn't gone great in Tennessee for the last year and a half, uh, mostly because of terrible roster construction, which got his friend John Robinson blown out as a GM. But then he thought he was going to have another one of his guys be the GM, and all of a sudden Rand Carthon's the GM. And so that that is – he won the power struggle, but then he didn't win the power struggle because then all of a sudden they inserted someone in that wasn't his choice. So that just is one to watch. He's, you know, I think he signed through 2027, 20, 2028. 20, but as we know, that can easily be fixed. He is Mike Giardi, Boston Sports Journal, and he appropriately joined us this Christmas week because he is the Grinch who coined the phrase about the Patriots wide receivers, stink, stank, and stunk to start the year. And for the most part, he was dead on with that assessment, as he is generally dead on with most of his opinions because I say this, and I'm not just blowing smoke up his ass because he's in the room and sitting in front of me. Combination of opinions and information, I don't think there's anybody better than Mike Giardi, and uh, therefore that's why I don't really love his projection of what's going to happen this January in terms of Gerard Mayo, Bill O'Brien, Steve Belichick, and just sort of bringing the band back with a different lead singer. It hurts me a little bit too. 
But we'll see. We'll see what happens. This has been Six Rings and Football Things, another beat reporter chat at Gillette Stadium. Enjoy Patriots Broncos on Christmas Eve if you indeed watch the game. If you don't, well, you're a pretty smart person. See ya!